yoga is um, uh, a system that is meant to bring about a certain type of experience. And that experience is the union of the soul with its origin. And it is a, when a person experiences this, it's a very, uh, it's a happiness, a, pl a pleasure, an experience that's an eternal experience. And it's not something that is, uh, uh, it, it cannot be compared to any kind of happiness or pleasure from, that you get from the senses or the mind. Uh, it's a very, very wonderful experience and the deepest of experiences. Uh, so this this is a this process of yoga that we follow that I'm, I'm teaching is called bhakti yoga, and um, so it's a process a, a process you apply to experience a certain type of result, which is different than like a belief system where you just accept certain beliefs and then that's it right. So yoga is meant to be realized, not meant to be not meant to be a belief system. Most people think themselves the body. They think, I am the body, I am white, I am black, I am young, I am old. Whatever the body is, that's, we consider ourselves to be that. So, um, but uh, one of the first things you learn when you start learning about yoga, or learning the process of yoga, is you learn that I'm not that, I'm not that body at all. The body has absolutely nothing to do with me at all. It's just something that I'm wearing. Uh, due to what's called ahamkara or false ego, a person identifies himself as their temporary body. So when you're in a female body, uh, you start thinking to yourself, I'm a female. Um, if you're in a male body, you think I'm a male. You know, and the, the dog thinks he's a dog and the cat thinks he's a cat and so on. So um, this, is, this is not actually the case. We're, we're just in a vehicle. It's not that the vehicle is us. Just like if I spent my whole life in a Honda CRV, I might start thinking of myself as that Honda CRV. And I look at the Toyota RAV4s and I look at them with eyes of, I don't know, not really envy because they're kind of the same thing. But if I see a, a Mercedes and I look at the Mercedes and I think I'm a CRV, then I start feeling very envious. But when I know that I'm not the car, then that takes me away from that, you know, takes me away from that envy of um, thinking I'm inferior or, or superior to, to some other vehicle. So, uh, in, this, in this life, in this, this world, we see people feeling themselves superior or inferior due to their body. You know, they think I am uh, a certain color, I'm black, so I am... Uh, proud that I'm black, or I feel inferior that I'm black, you see, this is due to ignorance, this is due to identifying myself as that temporary body, but uh, actually the person is not the body, um, this is confirmed not only in the, uh, all the scriptures of the world, especially the, uh, the Vedic scriptures which, which make it very very clear and not ambiguous at all. Uh, but it's also uh, uh, proven by uh, science. You can actually see that I'm not the physical body, and I'll explain a little bit about this. You know, everybody's body 
is going through a process called metabolism. You guys know all about metabolism? You know what that is? Metabolism is you, you, you take in stuff from the environment and then uh, the stuff that makes up, for example, an apple that you eat, uh, that breaks down. You put it in your mouth, it goes into your stomach, and then it breaks down in your stomach into smaller and smaller bits of matter. Okay? And then what happens is those bits of matter, those little molecules, they go to um, the different cells of your body and then they make up those cells. You guys know about that? So, but the cells are like little bodies themselves. They're, they're going through their whole digestion process. You know, they have this, these, this thing, these little organs called organelles, you know, and then they, they digest those molecules and excrete them and so on. And those, those molecules, you know, they also become those little cells. And uh, anyway, so there's this constant, and then so they excrete, and your body excretes the, you know, the used, the used up molecules. And uh, so that's when you have, you know, the stool, urine, uh, it, it goes through, goes out, you know, hair, uh, dead skin cells, um, saliva, uh, all these different things. Uh, your, your body excretes the dead cells, right? So uh, this, this process of metabolism is always going on. You're taking in new stuff and you're excreting the old stuff. Uh, and um, there is a very uh, influential scientist uh, in the 1900s, his name was uh, Paul Abersold, and he did a study where he was able to um, tag the different molecules going in and out of the body. And through his uh, life work, he was able to, uh, he made some very interesting findings. And one of them was that the, every cell, every molecule actually, that you have in your body now, uh, was not there five years ago. In other words, there's a constant changeover of molecules and every five years, your body is completely new. It's completely different than, than the body you had five years ago because every molecule is, is new. It wasn't there five years ago. Okay, like for example, you know, you have it, your, your skin, you know your skin is made of skin cells, right? And you exfoliate your skin. What was that? You know what happens is you're getting rid of the dead skin cells. Right? So those skin cells that used to make up your skin, you exfoliate them because they're dead. They're going to come off anyway, but you just, and then you get rid of them and your skin looks shinier, right? So, uh, but they've shown that you have, actually have a new suit of skin every month. It's completely different skin than you had on last month. You can see that your uh, hair uh, is not the same, even though my hair, it looks about the same length as it did last year, it's not the same hair that's making up my head, right? That hair was on the bathroom floor, or the barbershop floor. <coughs> there's, there's no part of your body, like, see your nails? It looks like the same nail that you had on last year, right? But you know, because you clipped the nail, that it's not the same nail, right? You guys with me? So there's no part of the body that's exempt from this. Every part of your body is going through this, even the bones. They're, they're, the crystals that make up the bones are always uh, for reforming like this. So, uh, anyway, he found out, going through every part of the body, he was able to see that every single molecule that you had on your body five years ago is no longer there today. Now, why is that relevant? It's because you existed five years ago. You see, you existed ten years ago, 
15 years ago, right? You can remember. Everyone here can remember that they existed 15 years ago, right? Or 10 years ago. Uh, but if you thought, I am my body 10 years ago, and you think you're your body today, then you have a serious identity crisis on your hands, right? It's a serious problem. If I was thinking, I, I am my body uh, 10 years ago, and today I still think, think the same thing, but that body is long gone. It's, it's a history, right? It's shed, it's gone all over the place. In so many different places. But you still exist. So, how can you claim to be that body, right? You see what I'm saying? Does everybody understand that? Unfortunately, in, 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 uh, in schools, we're not taught this. The, the, from, our very, from the very first classes we go to, the very first, uh, um, you know, preschool or school classes, we, we start to fill out, we start to talk about our, ourselves, right? Like we have a form to fill out. Okay, tell, tell me about yourself. Well, I, uh, you know, my hair is brown. Um, I'm three years old. Or I'm four years old. Uh, I'm this height. From the very beginning, we start talking about our, the body as ourself, right? And then we learn, as, as we go through school, more and more, uh, we learn these same things, but we learn them in, uh, with bigger words. Uh, because the, the people that teach us in school are also under this illusion that I am the body. So they, uh, they, they teach that to their students and then uh, put their students in the same illusion. Or maybe uh, reinforce the illusion that I am the body. For example, there was a, a uh, very famous scientist, his name was um, Carl Sagan. And Carl Sagan, he had a famous quote, and the quote was, I am a collection of water, calcium, and organic molecules with a collective label called Carl Sagan. And you, speaking to a student, are a collection of almost identical water, calcium, and organic molecules with a different collective label. So basically what he's saying is, I am a collection of uh, chemicals, and those chemicals combine together to make up my form and my label, Carl Sagan. And you're made up of almost identical molecules and chemicals and so on, with a different collective label, Susie Smith, right? So uh, in this way, he's teaching this uh, idea that I am the body. But as we already described, the body is completely different. It's not the same body. So he's, he's, he's identifying, I am my body, but the body is completely changed. I mean, completely gone. And now there's a new body. So there's a, a nice little meditation um, we can do to kind of reinforce this point. And maybe we'll take some time to do it now, okay? So uh, if everybody can just close their eyes, and if you can think about... Uh, the very first uh, memory that you had. For me, I was about, I think, three years old. So think about the very first thing you remember. Okay. Now think about uh, what you were feeling at that time when that particular thing happened to you. And now uh, think about what did your body look like then? 
you have some photo albums, maybe you can see. But try to remember, what did your body look like? Okay. Now, you fast forward another five years. And so now let's say you're in the third grade, okay? So eight years old. You think, what did my body... Or it's just first, what did... Something that happened in the third grade, some memory. And uh, what, what were you feeling? How are you... Uh, how did you react to that particular memory? And what did your body look like then? Now, if you can fast forward another five years to when you were um, just like, just became a teenager, okay? So you're 13 years old. Think about something that happened when you were 13 years old and how you were feeling at that time. So we're in the eighth grade now. Okay. And what did your body look like at 13? Okay. Now, uh, fast forward till uh, 18 years old. Now, what did your body look like at 18? And what something that happened when you were 18 years old? and how you're, you were feeling when that happened. Okay. Now we're gonna fast forward all the way till last week. All right? And think about something that happened to you last week and how you were feeling when that happened. And what did your body look like last week? You can see, okay, you can open your eyes now. You can see that you're the same person throughout all those bodies, right? It was you. I don't know what happened to you. You know, though, because it happened to you, right? You are the person there. But that three-year-old body and that five-year-old, eight-year-old body is long gone, right? Just like the clothes you had when you were three years old. They're long gone. The, the suit of clothes known as your body is also long gone. So... Uh, we can see that, that's, that I'm not that. You see, I'm not that at all. I'm the same person as I was. I'm that same guy, because I know, because those things happened to me, right? So, um, there's a... So, this is what we're not. We're not the body. You know? Many, this, this idea that um, I am the body is is nothing but a fantastic illusion. So when a person uh, practices yoga, more and more they become freed from this illusion. They're able to actually see themselves and others as they really are, not as this, the temporary clothes that they're wearing. Uh, there was a... Um, uh, it's really unfortunate, you know, we, go, we pay so much money I don't know about how it is here in Australia, but in America, the schools are so expensive, you know? It's so expensive. And, and you go there, a lot of people go there to learn truth. You know, they want to know about life and who they are and what the purpose of life is and uh, these things. But they just get cheated by people who don't know and they just pretend to know. Like Carl Sagan, you know, who's saying, I am a collection of water, calcium, and organic molecules. But he didn't even look at the fact that those molecules are long gone, you know? 
cannot claim to be the molecules when the molecules are always changing and they're gone. It's like I can't claim to be my car if I'm getting out of my car and changing cars and this and that. I know I'm not the car. Okay? So there's this, this they never like to admit that they're wrong or they don't know. You know, they always want to come up with an answer for something, for, for what, people, what people ask them. There was another guy, his name was uh, Francis Crick. Francis Crick was a uh, Nobel Peace Prize winner for his work. He was a big dude. He actually was a co-discoverer of DNA. So naturally, he was very looked up to by his uh, peers in the scientific community. And so he was asked this question of, who, am, who are you? Who am I? And so, you know, not wanting to say, I don't know, and tarnish his reputation, uh, he went exploring. So uh, what he did was he uh, basically started dissecting, you know, started, but he, he was actually pretty uh, insightful where he, he in, in, a, in a sense, because he was able to see something really interesting that uh, a lot of people don't, aren't able to see is that you know, when, when, you, when you see something, uh, when you're, right now like you're seeing me right now with your eyes. I mean, if you actually think about the whole process of what happens when you actually see something like, that makes it able for you to see someone, it's quite uh, mind-boggling, really. Uh, I'm going to try to describe it here, but it's very, uh, it's going to be um, very uh, basic. But anyway, so let's say you're, mo watching in a, you're watching a movie in a movie theater. Uh, what happens is um, a projector in the back it shoots light particles uh, out of a projector projects light particles actually shoots them out if you guys ever seen light in slow motion I saw this YouTube clip once of like a camera that was shooting at something like 3 million frames a second or some crazy number and it was actually you can actually see the particle of light coming bouncing off the object in reflecting. It's an actual particle of light. So this uh, projector shoots particles of light off of the, out of the um, projector, hits the silver screen, uh, which has like a reflective coating on it, and then that shoots back, the light particles shoot back, hits your, the lens, well, you know, I don't know all the different parts of the eye, right? I, I gotta study study my science books a little closer, but anyway, it, got, it, 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 uh, it hits the, the lens or whatever part, then goes through, you know, there's all these parts of the eyes that I don't know what they are, the retina and the, you know, there's all these different parts, right? So it goes through all these parts and, uh, you know, the eye is just like a squishy, pussy thing, right? But it's, the, the technology involved in it is like, wow, it's so mind-blowing. Anybody who's a photographer who deals with camera lenses, uh, you know, if they usually they start to consider how amazing is the lens that we have, how quickly it focuses, and how good it is in low light compared to actual you know camera cameras and camera lenses, and and uh, how clear it is. It's quite actually amazing the technology involved in the eye. But anyway, the the light particle goes through all these things, it transforms and it hits this optic nerve then the optic nerve transforms that particle of light into like an electric signal, right? And that electric signal gets sh um, sent down these nerves, the optic nerves, 
just, just like wires, right, in a camera. And then uh, those optic nerves go into the brain. The brain then decodes these electric particles and then displays what you see in front of you. I mean, is that like mind-boggling or what? It's like, uh, it's, it's, it's very similar to how a camera works. You know, you have the, the, the light enters the camera lens and then it hits the sensor. The sensor then transforms that into electric signals that goes through, goes through wires. And then it gets decoded in a computer, which is like the brain. And then you see it on the screen, right? On the screen on the back of the camera. You guys have digital cameras, right? You can see on the back of the screen. You can see exactly pretty much what you're seeing with your eye in front of you. But it's not like there's a clear window. It's gotten through all these different steps before you can see it, it shows you what you're seeing again, right? So it's quite like really amazing when you actually start to think about what's actually going on. But he was able to see, just like there's somebody watching a camera, looking at the camera, there's somebody looking at the brain, right? There's somebody looking there. Somebody's watching the whole show. Somebody's watching the image, right? And that's you. You're the person watching. So he went to look for it. Look for the person. He, was, he went to try to find the person there. And so basically what he did is he went and started dissecting, man. He just went in there and started pulling things apart, falling the wires back to the brain, and it, it kind of just gets scrambled into a bunch of stuff. And, and uh, I think he was actually looking for like a little guy in there. You know, I, I'm not really sure what, what he was trying to find, what he thought he was going to find, you know. But uh, anyway, so he, he couldn't find anybody. You know, he was just, he was looking around in all these different bodies and dissecting and following the nerves. And he's like, where is this person who's looking? Right? Where is the, the self? Where is the person? And so he came up with the, the uh, uh, philosophy from his research that the actual, the idea that I exist is an illusion. He was saying, uh, because he couldn't find the person, that means actually the person there in the body who's seeing doesn't exist. The idea that I exist is an illusion, according to Francis Crick. It's an, it's an illusion. But, uh, he's, he, but actually, there's a problem with his little uh, philosophy there. Is that in order to have an illusion, in order for there to be an illusion, there has to be somebody who's being illusioned. You can't have illusion without somebody who's being illusioned. Because illusion, this is very important to understand, illusion uh, is... Uh, based on the fact that somebody is seeing something differently than what it actually is. Right? So there cannot be an illusion without an illusion. Right? So the point is that uh, he, didn't fix, he didn't solve the problem. He, 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 by trying to say that the idea that I exist in is an illusion, he's, he did not come up with the answer. So he's trying to like sidestep it by saying it's the, the idea that I exist in is an illusion. Because, uh, as I said, you have to be, there has to be somebody having an illusion. You can't have an illusion without 
Illusion doesn't just float around by itself, you understand? It's, it's something that somebody has. So, before he was wondering who's seeing, now he's wondering who's having the illusion. But he's, he, hasn't, he still hasn't found out who, who that person is, right? He doesn't know. He's saying it's an illusion because he hasn't found. So the reason why he didn't find is because the person is not material. You're, the, the body you have on isn't you. But you do exist. You can see. Every one of us knows we exist. I exist. You, for, all, for all you know, I could be an illusion. You, you, you might not, you know, I might, some of you might have this idea that I'm just a dream. But nothing is more real to you than your own existence, right? That you exist. So, uh, if you look, if this is a problem when we, when we look to these uh, materialistic uh, ph uh, philosophers or scientists, they uh, they're under this illusion of I am the body. Therefore, they cannot tell you the truth because they don't know it. They haven't realized it. So this is self-realization. You can't cheat it. You have to experience it. Once you experience that you're not the body, you actually know. You can know it in the core of your heart that you're not the body. Um, but so this is uh, uh, we basically talked so far about who we are not, but I haven't really talked about so much about who you are. So uh, I won't. We won't uh, do this for too long, but if you don't mind, I'll just read a couple quotes from the uh, verses from this uh, very uh, wonderful um, yoga scripture. It's called the Bhagavad Gita. And uh, it is uh, it's like the go-to book of um, for those who want to know about who am I, what is the purpose of life, um, these kinds of questions for those of us interested in um, you know, the real questions of life. If I can just find the app. Oh, there it is. Okay. Okay, so in the Bhagavad Gita, um, it gives us some clues here. So chapter 2, verse 8. Only the material body of the indestructible, immeasurable, and eternal living entity is subject to destruction. For the self, there is, no, there is never birth nor death, nor does the self ever cease to exist. The self or spirit soul is unborn, eternal, ever existing, undying, and primeval. The self is not slain when the body is slain. So here is saying that uh, you are never born, nor will you ever cease to exist. There is never a time when you didn't exist, and there is never a time when you won't exist. Just because you don't remember doesn't mean you weren't there. Like, for example, most of us don't remember when we were one or two years old, right? But our mothers can attest to the fact that we were there. Right? And the fact that now you're a certain age means at one point you were one and two years old, right? So you can know that you existed then, right? And we don't remember that we existed in the womb, but we were kicking and stuff, right? So there was never a time, actually, when even before we were uh, conceived in this life, even before that, we existed somewhere else. There was never a time when you didn't exist. And we're never conscious. 
Like right now you're conscious. You're aware of me talking. You're aware of maybe the pain in your body. You're aware of things. Uh, so this never ends. This, I, this, this consciousness, this awareness. So it's saying here that you're eternal. Uh, your body's temporary, but you're eternal. So a person who understands this, that they're a spirit soul, eternal spirit soul, if you actually understand it, if you're not just philosophically, but actually really understand it, it takes away the fear of death. It's liberating. This knowledge is liberating. There's a, there's a saying, not, the truth will set you free. It'll free you from your fear of death. Once you understand, I am not this material body. I am the eternal self within the body. The individual self is unbreakable and insoluble and can, never be, can neither be burned nor dried. Earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and false ego. Altogether, these comprise my separated material energies. This is um, Krishna speaking in the Bhagavad Gita. Beyond this nature, beyond this inferior nature, O mighty armed Arjuna, there is a superior energy of mind, of mind, the living entities, who are struggling with material nature and sustaining the universe. So, um, Earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and false ego. These are the, the uh, material elements that make up the material body. But he's saying the living beings are separate from that. They're not us, the living beings, the aware, the conscious sparks of life inside these bodies. Are, uh, not those, we're not made of earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and so on. Just like uh, Carl Sagan says. He says we are those things, but... In the Bhagavad Gita, the, um, the go-to scripture of the yogis, it's saying, no, we're not. We're the, the spirit soul within the body. We're not the material body. So we can speak a lot longer on these things, but uh, I think you guys may have, you may understand, and you might be getting a little bit, um, uh, I don't know, why is he talking so much about this? <laughs> but it's very important to understand. We've been talking about, we've been taught the opposite our whole life, you know. So it's, it's good to, to, to spend some time and, and uh, uh, discuss these, I, these um, truths, actually. So, uh, the mantra meditation. See, when we try to find happiness, uh, we do it through, because we identify ourselves with our mind and our body, uh, we try to have mental pleasure, uh, sensual pleasure, uh, and... Um, when we try to do, we do this for the idea that we're going to be happy and satisfied if we do these things. Uh, but um, if we analyze, we'll see that the pleasure derived from the senses uh, or the mind never really fully satisfies the heart, fully satisfies the living being. So in order to be satisfied, the soul within the body needs to have connection, needs to have uh, this a condition known as yoga, this union um, with the supreme soul, with God. So this uh, this yoga process is meant to bring about this union. So these mantras are very special sounds. They're not just regular sounds. They're transcendental spiritual sounds. And when a person regularly uh, practices, meditates on these uh, transcendental sounds, 
more and more they get woken up to their actual identity. They remember who they actually are. They realize who they actually are. And, uh, and because they taste the happiness, they taste the real pleasure, the real uh, happiness that comes about from this connection. And so the process of yoga is growing, growing, growing this connection more and more. Uh, and then this, this idea that I am the body, um, it goes away, okay? And then fear of death goes away, uh, real happiness, uh, real pleasure, real fulfillment um, sets in. Just like you have a, a fish who's been on land and he doesn't know he's a fish, you know? But he, so he's going around trying to do all these things to make himself happy. He gets a, a new car, he gets a, um, you know, a nice house and uh, you know, all this human food and stuff. And he's, he wonders why these things never do it for him. So, but the fish, in order to be happy, needs to know, I'm a fish. And I need to go back to water. Right? So when we misidentify ourselves as a fish or as a human being, um, this, this uh, will make it so we won't actually taste the happiness that is our inherent um, right or our inherent nature. Okay? So anyway, these are long, this is very long subject matter and we can talk about more in depth later. But for now, let us do a little bit more um, kirtan meditation and then uh, uh, that'll be it except for if anybody wants to ask questions, okay? All right.